Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project and the host of this podcast. The Swan Song Project is a charity. We help people living with terminal illnesses or dealing with bereavement to write and record their own original songs. We believe in celebrating lives, making memories and leaving legacies. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. The podcast features songwriters, and each week I have a different guest. I ask them to share with us one of their songs. We talk about how they wrote it. Uh, we ask them to share with us a songwriting tip, and I also ask them to share songs meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. This episode features Michael Messer. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with Michael Messer. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Good to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Um, so this is a Swan Song Project podcast. For anyone who's new to them, we do these in three parts. Each week, I have a different songwriter on, and we're going to have one of their songs. We're going to talk a little bit about how they wrote it. Uh, section two, Michael's going to share with us a songwriting tip. And then section three, we're going to talk about a song that's meaningful to Michael in some way relating to bereavement. Uh, so I'll ask you to introduce your song for us, please, Michael. Well, the song I brought... Um... It's a song I actually I actually didn't write, but it's a song I had a big part in creating. And I'll explain why. Um, for 30, 25, 30 years, I had a relationship with a, a songwriter friend of mine, uh, a professional relationship, where we wrote uh, many songs together. And, and also uh, he wrote for me, uh, Terry Clark was his name, and he died uh, last April. Not COVID related, but he, he died last April, sadly. Um, and uh, I thought it would be a good, you know, since lockdown, I haven't been able to do anything as a tribute to Terry. I haven't, you know, I would, normally I would have done a gig, I would have done something. And when you said to me, can we talk about songwriting? I thought, well, this is a perfect time to talk about something that I did with Terry. So this is an old song. This was, uh, this is, uh, this song's called King Guitar. And it goes back to um, 1996, we wrote, we, Terry wrote this, I kind of threw the ideas at him. I was working on an album and um, there were a few things came together. Terry, Terry had a great way of, of understanding me and writing things about my life that I told him, a story that I might have told him or a color I like to wear or anything, just whatever, but it would relate to me so it would come out of the, as if I'd written it. And at the time I'd been listening to, um, uh, a record I really liked at the time, which was G Love and the Special Source, blues music, where he talks a lot about, he quotes musicians' names that he's really into, you know, Led Belly and this, that, and, 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 and I really like that. And I was talking to Terry on the phone one day about that song. I was saying, it's really cool the way he does that. And I said, you know, we were, and we were also looking for album titles and, and song titles. And, and I said, you know, I love those, I love those cliche blues albums king of the slide guitar, king of the blues, empress of the blues, you know, they've all got those names, right? And, and he just came, he said, yeah, I love those too, man. And we, about an hour later, the phone rang. He said, I listen to this, listen to this. I've got this great idea. It's called King Guitar, which is just flipping that round, this king of the slide guitar to king guitar. And, and he'd kind of come up with this way of, uh, of bringing those elements that we talked about and of course, within it, we also, both of us love, you know, Texas, Texan music, Liverpool, the Beatles, um, 
a lot of different elements came together to make this song. And um, I recorded it first in 96, in August 96. Uh, it went on an album called National Avenue, which is also a line from the song. Uh, National Avenue was a place that my brother in, who lives in America had been to and said, hey, this is a National Avenue, that'd be perfect for you because I played national guitars. So all these things came together. Uh, it came out on an album called National Avenue in 1996. The album didn't, the record company mishandled it completely and the album did nothing. In 2001, it came out again as an album called King Guitar, which is a compilation album. And this was the lead track and it was also the title track of the album. And uh, that's 20 years ago and just short in May, 2001 which is almost 20 years ago now it was a number one uh, album in, in the blues charts in america so the song finally found its way through so that was a great thing um the best way to explain the song is to hear the song this is this is king guitar
Okay, fantastic. So that was King Guitar by Michael Messa. Uh, yeah, it's a great track. Really Thank like you. it. And I really like the, um, yeah, you saying about wanting to have some kind of tribute to Chapter Terry and this being a, a good chance to do it. Uh, well, it it's important for me to do it. Um, yeah. And, and the songwriters often, you know, people who write behind an artist, sometimes I say, you know, they're, 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 their names are not known and people don't realise who wrote these songs. Mm. So it's always been important to me that, that people know who wrote the songs, but now he's gone, it's more important for yeah. me to, to, to say, no, this was Terry's song. Terry did this, you know. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the, we've got, as I say, 40 songs across quite a few albums that, that Terry either wrote for me or, or with me. Yeah. How did that process work? Then, if you were working together, what was the uh, collaborative process? You mentioned a bit before about about it, but was there a particular way you would normally work, or was it um, very song to song? Very much off. It was very much however it came at the time. Um, we would talk a lot on the phone as friends. You know, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to get the song, but that kind of stuff. Um, and ideas would come that way. Sometimes, I mean, I can think of. I can think of a couple of songs where he'd call me at the studio. I was making an album. He'd call me at the studio to say, hey, can I come over? What are you doing? You know, can I come and hang out for the afternoon? Yeah, come and hang out, you know. And by the time he'd arrived, hey, listen, look, I've got this. And I, oh, come on, I've got to record that. That's brilliant, Terry. Come on. So it, there wasn't, a, no, there wasn't a process of, that, that I would say was a formula, but the formula was friendship. Mm. And um, Terry having uh, that, he was very prolific, as a lot of songwriters are. So he had that kind of Tim Pan Alley approach. He could just song, song, next, 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 next. And he could take things that I told him about myself or about an experience. You know, hey, I was out this morning and I was in the supermarket and I bought some baked beans. Oh, I love those baked beans, that kind of thing. And, and you, a song would come back where it would be some, in one of the verses. Oh, well, that's pretty cool, Terry. How did you get that? Oh, you know, you were telling me the other day about how you, you know. So it was very much, I'd say, came through friendship, you know. And, and I think that, that most of the songwriting partnerships, although it wasn't totally a songwriting partnership as such, because a lot of it was written for me, Although I would change the, the music quite a lot, I would change things to, to make them become mine. Um, I don't think there is a formula, you know. I don't think Lennon and McCartney had a formula. They just they just knew each other and loved each other and 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 it worked. You know, they they could read each other. Mm. And I think that's that's the way that works, you know. And I think it's a really good way to to be creative within songwriting. That, that ideas get, get churned around and, and t two minds, if you like, can be better than one and, and, and bringing, bringing ideas together, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I write songs. Yeah, I'm writing at the moment for a project. Uh, I'm not as prolific as, as a songwriter as such, but I guess I am a writer because I write songs and I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing some at the moment. Um, do I have a formula? Yeah, my formula is put something on the paper. 
don't leave it blank because then you just keep staring at it. Won't you? Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's for any writer. They, they what they call writer's block is is, is possibly true. Um, yeah, I mean sometimes I like to come out of the music with an idea. Um, sometimes it's the lyric. Sometimes it can come from listening to somebody else's song. So you know you get an earworm of someone else's song, and the more it goes around in your head, suddenly you think, "Hey, wait a minute." Oh, I could do this, this, and this, and then that's all oh, right, really good. That fits with my idea, so so it can come that way. Um, I think of I think of of writing instrumentals because I guess I'm known primarily as a guitarist rather than a, a writer as such. So the writing of instrumentals to me is the same as the writing of lyrics, um, and I think of them in the same way bringing ideas together, bringing melodies together that come from other, bringing, bringing things together. Um, I used to work with a, a songwriter um, many years ago, Ted Hawkins, uh, and he used to say that uh, he, was, he was a Frankenstein of songwriting. So he would take a little piece of this one, and a little piece of this one, and a little piece of this mm. one. I'd sew them all together, and then I'd pull that lever to bring the lightning on, and I've got my own song. Yeah. And that's also a very interesting way of working. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a similar. I like the Frankenstein metaphor. I've not heard that one before. I've heard a similar one of you know, like like fixing up a car, and you you might take a part from another one, and you might take a part from this one, and eventually you try and get something what runs. Absolutely, and if and if if that's if that's done in a um, the way he used to do it would be, you'd almost feel like you'd heard it before. Mm. Couldn't say, hey, you took that from so-and-so. You couldn't do that, but you'd like, I sort of know this melody, the whole mood, but I don't. And that's that's really interesting. Really. Yeah. Um, the right amount of familiarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, over my career, I've worked with a lot of very talented songwriters, you know. Um, and... and I've learned from all of those people the different ways of approaching it and different ways they approach it. You know, um, songwriting is, is the interesting thing I, I find as well is that most songwriters, they're not poets as such. It's a different art form. You know, the writing of a poem is totally different to singing a song. It's because the way that you, it, it, can, it can be about the way those words hang together over music. And it doesn't even necessarily need, need to make sense. Mm -hmm. If the words hang together really well, then it can, it can sound amazing. Yeah. Um, it's, like the music can just bring out such an extra meaning sometimes. Sometimes the songs that are like, I've really loved listening to it, then I look at the lyrics and I'm like, I'm always disappointed when I read the lyrics without the music. I you like, like it a lot. If I just read that, I wouldn't be that impressed. But when I heard the song, it's like, it just... Yeah, that happened yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favourites, one of my favourite of those kind of songs is um, you know, uh, 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 Paul McCartney doing um, That Would Be Something, right? Mm. There is nothing to it, there's three lines. But it's so good. Uh, <laughs> Something that will be something to meet 
you in the falling rain, mama. Meet you in the falling rain. Nothing else to it. That just goes yeah. round and round, and it's beautiful. It's like, oh, God. I mean, <laughs> so simple, you know. Yeah. To, but, but, and when you listen to it, you're not necessarily thinking, oh, he's only saying the same three lines over and over and over. But if you look at it on paper, it's like, is that it? <laughs> another one. I, another writer that that, that uh, you know, Buddy Holly can do that to you. Mm. you know, his songs, some of them. To hear them like wow that's amazing and then oh i must learn that song so you write it down oh is that <laughs> is that it <laughs> yeah songwriting that's, that's that's brilliant songwriting isn't it like the magic of it isn't it and um but i think there's there's a lot of crossover some of the stuff that we were talking about about swan song before we started which kind of links to what sounds like your relationship with terry was i really liked what you said about um the formula being friendship i think that's i've not heard it put that way before i think that's a really nice way of putting it like you know, like those close connections bring out, that's where that's where the ideas come from a lot of time, isn't it? Like if you try and force your ideas to come out, it's like, you're not, you're not gonna get them. But when you're relaxed in good company and you, you're just letting things flow and then having those, having someone else to let you know sometimes when they hear something mm -hmm. that would make a good idea. Cause a lot of the time we can, I guess part of, part of the aim of being a songwriter, we can have to spot those ideas. But when you've got someone else who's in that shared thing with you they can you know pick up those things you're saying that make make for good totally. lyrical content totally I, I i yeah you can't force it that is mm -hmm. that is what you said you did there because because if you try and force it it doesn't come out you have to flow be yourself let it just and if it's and if it's not coming just leave it just leave yeah. it yeah you know um the people that fascinate me are those people that can get up at nine o'clock or eight o'clock in the morning, whatever, to sit down and write a song. You know, Goffin and King and those people, the, the Brill Building writers and those kind of, they just get up and write a song. Next, yeah. next, next, next. And they're not all great. We only hear the great ones, you know, but, but they still do it all the time. Next, next, next. And, and that's, that's an amazing, yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's that it's it's through friendship, that partnership of writers. Um, I think if we looked at any uh, uh, songwriting team, if you like, that it comes that way, you know. Would you and Terry have um, like things out, you know, like things that you're aiming for, of, like you're going to write an album with songs in a certain style or anything like that? Or would it just be that they would just come and they were just, you know, the albums would come together naturally, or would you set out to write particular things? Both, both. We did do, we did work in that way where we did, um, yeah, I would come up with ideas where I would, I was definitely, I would definitely steer the idea if he was writing for me. If we were writing ideas together, sometimes I would have a chorus or I'd have a bunch of lines that didn't really hang together. 
that that there's something going on here. And I just sort of say, there you go. (laughs) You sort it out. (laughs) You're the songwriter. (laughs) There you go. Um, And and he might not, you you might just use one of them, you know, but but something would come back, oh, this is, you know, I can think of one that we wrote that way on an album I did uh, in 1995, album called Moonbeat, did a song called Jawbone Johnny. And I had this thing about Jawbone Johnny with Jitterbug Swing. And, and it was kind of a little chorus thing I had. And, and, and that was pretty much all I had was that, that Jawbone Johnny had the Jitterbug Swing. And this whole thing came back. Of, I, I gave that to Terry with a bit of a melody and a bit of an idea. And, and he was able to, to, to say, oh yeah, I can see him. I know who Jawbone Johnny is. And I know what he looks like. I know what he wears. I know where he goes. And, and he came back with this whole song about Jawbone Johnny. And, and I think that actually what I just said there is also something I think is quite important is that you need to know if you're, if it's a, if, it, if you're writing about that beautiful girl you see at the bus stop every day when you're going to work, you need to start thinking about who she is. Where does she live? What's in her handbag? Where does she, what perfume does she wear? Where does she go for lunch? Where did she buy that dress? You know, that kind of stuff. So that you can kind of go into that, whatever it is, it might be about a guitar. What's that guitar made of? You know, how old is it? How many strings has it got? How many, that's, you kind of have to find your way in, don't you? Yeah, I think the getting that kind of detail, there's a song we're going to talk about later on, uh, that's, listen to William's track we're going to talk about that she's an expert at that and the song you chose is a great example of well of having a song that's full of detail and like so they just feel so real and I think that's a great piece of advice for people writing a song like to to yeah if it's about a guitar think about every aspect of that guitar if it's about a person think about every aspect of that person don't just think about um I've, I've heard of uh, iceberg theory they call I think this is more of like a, a literary idea but you know, the idea that what you get in the art is the tip of the iceberg and what the writer has thought about is the, the iceberg underneath. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's good, the iceberg, yeah, yeah. But that was said to me a long time ago by someone about someone. And, and, mm. You know, just just whatever it is, get, get to know everything about it, you know, and, and think about who is it, where is it from, what is it, why, you know. What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it, you know, all of that. And, and, and that is right. That brings out, you know, it brings out, uh, that's how you write about someone or something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Was, was Terry a performer himself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Terry made a lot of albums and performed. He was a great artist, very talented singer-songwriter. Yeah, very, very much so, who, who, uh, made a dozen or so albums um, and would have been right up your street to talk on this yeah. show. You know, <laughs> very much a prolific songwriter who he was 71 when he died last year. So he kind of came up through the child teenager through the 50s and 60s and very much grew up on rock and roll and that sort of area. Um, he also had a very different, what I liked about working with him, apart from the, it wasn't just the friendship, it was that I actually loved the way that he came at things because I work in an area, the blues, which if you're not careful can be very cliche. Mm-hmm. And he would write in a way that wasn't cliche. 
So he would, he would, and he would sometimes use the cliches, but twist them a bit like I was saying with the title of King Guitar. Um, and that, I found that really cool and really an interesting way of approaching. You gotta be very careful with the blues, you know, mm. you don't end up, so, you know, I've got the blues, man, you know. It's like, yeah, we all know that bit, but can we go somewhere else with it? But if you yeah. can incorporate that in and come at it from another angle, yeah, yeah, then it becomes, then it becomes very interesting. And, and Terry had a great way of doing that. He had different reference points to me. So if he, if we're talking blues, I might be talking about Robert Johnson and Muddy Waters, where he's thinking totally different artists, but he's hearing there, you know, he might be thinking about Johnny Cash and, mm. and how he would write a blues or how, so coming at it from a different approach. Yeah. And, and I think that's really interesting. And I think that creates great, great songs, great, you know. Did you, um, what was it like when you first started working together? What, what was kind of interesting is how you, how you knew that that he was a good person to work with. I think that's that's kind of a common. I know lots of musician friends who have really struggled to find someone who, as you say, kind of you know complements each other in that way. That you both kind of know the, the stuff you're aiming for, but bring those different angles to it. That's was a good there, question. That's a good question. Well, we were we were friends not from way back before that, but but we became friends around the time we started working together. We both were in the same area. Terry was from Reading and I'm nearby there. And we were both, we both had many mutual friends. And by coincidence, we both signed to the same label for our first sort of releases. My first album wasn't his first, but it was his first in into a, this world of rootsy kind of music. And he, we both signed to the same label. So it was advantageous to both of us and to the label that we worked together. I was making my second album, Slide Dance, and Terry had one song. And I think we were talking about, forget how it came about now that we actually ended up recording it, but Terry had one song that I recorded on that album. Two songs, I'm sorry started with one then he came back with another so there were two songs on that second album that terry wrote um and then we both realized it was hey this is pretty cool this is this is interesting creatively it works very well because we're both on the same label so the whole thing was in-house um we both like those in-house style labels where it all happened under one roof, the little record factory, you know, Motown and chess and where it's the writers in one room and the drummers in another room and, and everyone comes together to make the record. We both love that. Um, and I think we realized that we had something that was very cool that worked. Uh, so that was the second album, Slide Dance, we did two. Then we did an album together. Okay, then we did an album called Rhythm Oil which was myself, as, as the, the names on the, on the cover were, were myself, Terry Clark and Jesse Taylor, guitarist from Austin, Texas. Terry was very plugged into that Austin, Texas scene, Butch Hancock and Jimmy Dale Gilmore and Towns Van Zandt, all that, that kind of scene. Um, and we made an album together called Rhythm Oil. 
well, of course, now we're actually making an album together as the three artists. There's more songs start to appear. And I covered a couple of songs. I brought in Robert Johnson's Queen of Spades that we did as a band. And then after we'd done it, Terry said to me, I've got some great words that would fizz over that, you know. Let's not do it. Like, why don't we change what it is? I said, well, okay, what have you got? So it's kind of started to get more and more so. Um, that, was, that was a big project for us, Rhythm Oil. Um, we got very well received for it. And, and, and Johnny Cash wrote the sleeve notes for that record. I don't know if you've seen that on my website. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash wrote the sleeve notes, which was an incredible. How did that come about then? That came about... Hang on, let me come back to that one. <laughs> so we, that was, it was organic how we started writing. And then after that, I had an album, I got an album deal with a new label called Appaloosa. Not new, but new to me, an Italian label. I did an album called Moonbeat. And it was at that point where we were both so into it that we said, well, let's just do the whole album like this, you know, so either written for me or with me, the whole Moonbeat album were, were Terry or Terry and Michael songs. I think, it, I think there's one cover on it. Um, and it, it was a great way of working. It was a great way. And it went on and we did other things. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like you're both very lucky to have that, you know, to find that connection and that kind of partnership good, that works. It was great. It was a wonderful thing. Uh, it had its time. You know, we didn't do it for a while. Um, for the last 10 years, we didn't do anything. Um, not because of there were any problems. It just kind of, we just didn't. <laughs> there was no big deal to it. It wasn't like, why aren't we writing together or working? It just, that's how it was. Um but it was a, it was a great thing, and we we created some great work. You, know? um, you asked me, oh, the Johnny Cash thing. So so, my brother Alan Messer, you may be aware, he's a photographer, and Alan he lives in Nashville, and Alan's lived in Nashville for forty three years, uh, since the late seventies. Um, he's a music business photographer. Started in London around the swinging 60s scene and then moved to Nashville in the 70s. He became close friends with John and June, Johnny Cash and June Carter. Uh, became family friends with, and they kind of uh, took him in as family and also that meant taking in his family as family, being good Southern hospi hosp hospitable people that they were. Um, and they were lovely, lovely people. They were great people. When we did this album, Alan, somehow, I forget exactly how, but Alan took the idea of, I think Alan played the album to John, just off of the cassette, and sort of maybe asked, I think maybe sort of, can you help him, you know, my brother's done this project with Jesse Taylor and Terry Clark. And anyway, John wrote these, these sleeve notes. And we ended up getting this handwritten thing written by John, which, and of course, what, what blew both of us away, especially Terry, because he was, A, was a fan, and B, what John had done was he'd taken 
bits of all the songs and written his own poem out of so what you read in that a lot of it is terry's words that he's kind of pulled in and and created his little poem and then he talks about the album as a you know um well it was an incredible thing and we we definitely got drunk the night that we had <laughs> you know and um it was a wonderful it was a wonderful thing he did for us and and yeah i mean he did it to help he, he told me that. He said to me, you know, that, that it's a tough road you're on. This is a tough business. And, and if this helps you in your career, then, then use it. You know, and, and I hope it does, was how he treated it. Um, and it was a wonderful thing. Yeah, it was, yeah. you know, he'd only done it for two other people. He did Bob Dylan's Nashville Skyline. And I've never seen it, but he did one for Chris Christopherson. But that's the yeah. only lead notes he ever wrote. Wow, yeah, what an honour. And that uh, the handwritten thing is on your website, isn't it? Yes, it is. If it's people want to, want to go it's and have a listen. Yeah, it's on my wall upstairs, but it's on my website, yeah. yeah and um, there's a little little thing that's kind of gone on a little bit further now. Is that when John died, um, his son, John Carter Cash, sent via Alan something to me, and he just said, I thought you might like this. And... On John's desk, he had a cassette player where he listened to his music, you know, and in the cassette player was the dub, the tape that I'd give, that we'd given him of Rhythm Horn. <laughs> was in the cassette player on his desk. Mm -hmm. So so he just still listened to it. He obviously, it may have been one of the last things he heard. We don't know. No. It, it was quite amazing to get this thing. And like, really? This came? Oh, yeah, my, it was on my dad's, you know, it was in my dad's cassette player on the desk. Wow, what an honour! Yeah, know. amazing. That is, uh, and how good of John to send it to you as well. It was great. It was lovely that he did. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're lovely people, the family, and, and John and June were very kind to my brother and 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 to to, to my family. You know, it's great when you hear stories like that about such icons as well. Like they were such good people, as you know, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were lovely people, and and away from being. Away from being Johnny Cash, he was John, and he was a, he was a a lovely man, a great man, great sense of humour, and, and sort of Brilliant. sort of treated sort of treated my family almost like he was an uncle. Yeah, almost like that, you know. So yeah, it was a, it was a special thing. There's no there's no doubt. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, I recommend people go go to your website and have a look at that hundred. Yeah, I recommend there. look at that one. That's, it's yeah. great, and I, I I never use it as a I, I, I don't use it to for ego or you know it was it was special it was personal yeah something and that I've always had special just, meaning to just there and, and it's there if anyone wants to see it but I would yeah. never exploit it I would never you know it's it's a wonderful thing yeah yeah that's brilliant Michael yeah thanks for sharing it with us oh, um, let's move into section two now shall we this is where I ask my guests to share with us a songwriting tip. Um, so we've covered quite a lot of tips in the first things that happened. <laughs> when I first planned the podcast, I thought, oh, yeah, it's been a clear tip, but there's always loads of tips in the first section. <laughs> yeah. well, I, maybe, maybe, you know, I mean, we were talk I was talking before about, play you know, instrumentals and things. Well, mm. you know, there's, there's, that's an interesting area, I think. And my songwriting tip of anything is, as I say, I'm not a prolific writer. I am writing at the moment for an album that I'm working on. Um, You've got to keep writing. You've got to keep putting stuff down. You mustn't force it. So 
So don't force it. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this, any idea is, is the seed for something that could grow into, you know, you don't know if you've just written the verse, the chorus, or something you won't use, but you've just got to keep it, keep going. Mm -hmm. um, I quite like working from melody to come out of ideas, if not melody, to come out of musical ideas. Um, That's what I was going to ask you about when you're writing instrumentals. Do you, do you uh, work from, from musical ideas? You know, like with, say, if you're writing lyrics, you might write from a lyrical idea of like, I'm going to write a song about, about this thing that happened here or these this you know, whatever um but when you're writing instrumentals do you do do you ever write them are they written about a particular thing in the way that you might write lyrics about a thing or are they more written around a musical idea i think for me they're more written around a musical idea i'm just trying to think uh, mostly around musical ideas and possibly you you have a bit more freedom or i have a bit more freedom to do what i was saying about um Frankenstein type of songs. So, for example, um, I have one that was on my most recent album that, that we wrote, which was. Uh, let me just drop this down a fraction so you can see that you turn up. That's true. So, so I'd been, I'd been, I'd been messing around with some things. Um, for example, I'd been messing around with some ideas that I had that I really, you know, when you pick up, you just, whenever we pick up a guitar, we have a, a current kind of doodle that you do. Mm -hmm. And, and then every few months that changes, but you've always got something that you just gravitate to whenever you pick up a guitar and everybody does it, everybody does it. So I had this thing I was doing, which from my mind was coming out of kind of that 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 you know Tinarawen the 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 uh, desert blues kind of thing from Mali that kind of um, blues that's more major than minor and kind of that 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 North African and I had this thing I was playing whichever I picked whenever I picked up a guitar. African song, it would have it would have a vocal over the top, and then I started thinking that I've, I'd, I'd wanted to put something with that that wasn't that. So I kind of came up with these things of of melodies that, like Raikuda maybe would would come up with a kind of. And that's also kind of very country, like it, the way I'm playing that isn't very country but if you put that on a if you play that like on a on a dobro this way up suddenly it becomes it's, it's quite country so i had this thing of going with this
Hotel And this album I did was with two Indian musicians and then Manish, the, the Manish Pinglay, the Indian side guitar player brought an idea into that, which was because he said to me, oh, that's a, that's a raga that I know. And I said, now you're really confusing me, but go on. And he said, well, you're playing a raga called Bhupal. Am I? And he explained why, because of the choice of notes, the, the, the slide. of the choice of notes um, and the way I was playing it. So we started working on this idea called Bupali Blues and that's where it developed and so how did that instrumental, there was all kinds of things, that's what I'm saying, it's kind of like you're saying. And then we brought into it things that were, I brought into it parts from other well-known tunes that like folk blues things, so there would be things like from came out of a, a From it's a fiddle thing. It's a it's it's a real country fiddle thing. together to make make that work yeah yeah Does that make any sense what i was doing? yeah 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 it sounds like a yeah it, yeah it, good it, interesting it, pro uh, process it's the same as writing lyrics isn't it it's the same mm. it's just how you just communicating in a different language the language yeah. of notes rather than the language of words absolutely that so it is yeah. it's exactly the same um when you set out when you do you do you set out writing an instrumental at, at the time you like always do you, are you always clear on like I'm going to write an instrumental now or I'm going to write a song now or does it does no, it just work itself out? Was it not clear at all? No. Mm. I was no. wondering like whether sometimes I mean I've never written instrumentals myself. But sometimes I'll come up with a piece of music that I like, like a little riff or a little progression in some way, and then then my my immediate instinct is always then I'll write some lyrics for this. Um, but I wonder whether you do that at all or whether it's whether it's always like I, I do, I do, but I, I also like to stop sometimes and say no, that that's it, that is what that's, it is. Doesn't need any lyrics over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 just fine as it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that thing that I started with. I think I probably was starting <laughs> that hypnotic trance kind of 
mm. sound. Yeah, I was thinking some over the top of that to yeah. begin with. I can't remember now, but yeah. Um, I like trance music. I like that that thing that happens with mm. with music that. that one chord music, things that don't change chord, things that sit on a hypnotic groove. Um, that's one of the things that, that attracted me about working with Indian musicians, is because Indian classical music sits on one chord. Um, it doesn't use harmony, it only uses melody and rhythm. And that kind of, that kind of you know, it's, it's very similar, although it's not similar musically, it's very similar in theory to a lot of blues music, which sits on one chord. Mm. You know, North Mississippi stuff, kind of, which is why we did that, that kind of material together, because it, was, it works so well, those kind of one chord blues things. Where you, uh, we will have a, a call and response, so the vocal, the vocal sits over. Da, da, da. similar in theory to how kind of Indian music works because there, there's just rhythm and melody happening there's mm. no harmony mm -hmm. um, that's really interesting yeah and that's yeah that's is that album's out is it yeah is that's that's, uh, Call of the Blues that's uh yeah it's called Call of the Blues that's my although it's not that recent now it's my current album and that's is it Michael Michael Messer's Mitra oh, hang on I've got it here yeah Michael Messer's Mitra somewhere here I can show you a picture can I I thought I could find it. Yeah, Michael Messer's Mitra. People can find it online anyway if they want to yeah, uh, exactly. check it out. Yeah, I remember I've, I've heard a little bits of it. I've not heard the whole thing yet, but I remember thinking it sounded like a very interesting project and I'd like to listen to the yeah, it was a great thing. It, it was a great thing. Um, and and yeah, we found we found a place where we could write together, be creative together, and and make something that that hadn't been done before. Mm -hmm. That's um, brilliant. Not intentionally so much as, as not you know, it was something I wanted to do for a long time. When I say not intentionally. I wasn't intentionally trying to find something that had never been done before. Mm -hmm. I was intentionally wanting to make blues music with Indian classical players because. I definitely always always felt there was a, a place we could meet um, musically, and, and, and it's great. We've done I mean, we've been touring together now for we did six years on the trot. So until 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 we got stopped by COVID, we, yeah. we had six years touring under our belts. So so yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been a great run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, it won't be too long before he's back out on the road. Oof, I hope. I hope. Yeah, I hope it's, uh, it's 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 been a long year. It's now it's now I hadn't I didn't do any gigs in the beginning of 2020. So my last gig was December 2019. So it's now 14 months since I did a gig. That'd be the longest between gigs for you for a long time, I imagine. It's a pretty strange feeling. Yeah. I play yeah. I play every day. I'm writing. I, I you know I make sure I make music mm. as much as I can. But it's strange not doing it for people, with people. You know? Yeah, we're all fine. You're the same. We're all fine doing that. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, yeah, it's gonna be so interesting, so exciting when we can go out and I just I, I can't imagine how emotional it's gonna to be to play songs in front of people because like that's that I mean, that's the reason I got into music was to play music with people uh, and like we we did like a little session over Zoom with some friends around Christmas time, you know, where like we all just played a few songs on here and like that felt even even just playing in front of my girlfriend uh, singing just is there's something special about when you're playing a song with someone else in the room, isn't there? Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's going to be emotional. Um, what's happened to me, I was, I was talking to someone the other day about it, is that playing music, you know, we're now, we're now looking at over a year. Playing music has become something I do on my own in the room. Mm. And that's not natural. That's not natural for me. Yeah. Yeah, I sit looking out the window and sing and play and do what I do and make sure I'm match fit. You have to be. You know, otherwise, when that gig does come, you can't do it. But it's a long time now. It's, it's a long, long time. And I think it would be very emotional. I think it would be quite strange. You know, um, but yeah, God, please bring on the day that we can do it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's move into the, uh, the last section now, shall we? Um, this is where we talk about a song. I ask my guests for a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. Um, and what I do here is I put the link in the description to the episode. So if uh, you're not familiar with the song, you want to go check it out, uh, you can do follow that link. And we're going to have a, have a chat about why Michael chose it. Uh, so what song did you choose for us for this section, Michael? Well, I chose Lucinda Williams um, uh, from her album Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. And um, I've gone completely blank at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone for a second, sorry. I was so thinking about the song. Um, <laughs> God, this is crazy. Lake Charles, I'm sorry. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I was. Do you know why? Because I was thinking about the song. Every time I think about that song, it just gets me. Just, just totally tears me out. Um, Lake Charles was written by Lucinda about uh, a friend, a friend who who died, uh, and it was written about her relationship with him, and how she reacted and how she felt about the way he passed away. And, and, and I think that the chorus, every time I've lost anyone since then, I can't help but think about this song. Um, and every time I hear this song, I'm stopped in my tracks. I've just, you know, did an angel whisper in your ear. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, play, play the song. I don't know what I don't, you know, and, and everything about this song, um, the subject matter of it, the the connection to the blues with Lucinda, because Lucinda's obviously you know grew out of that that love of blues music. Her relationship with this guy definitely included the love of blues music, um, and and every time I I've as I say every time I've I've known of anyone passing away from from any kind of illness actually not just a not just a not just something a, a, a terminal illness a cancer or something no anytime anyone that's passed away I think of that song you know um, I lost my mother during last summer she not, not COVID related it was age related but she spent the last few days in a hospital on her own um, we couldn't visit her and yeah, the song just just it just says everything you'd want to say about somebody in in that you know it's 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 an amazing piece of writing. 
Yeah. I'm a big fan of Lucinda's work, always have been, uh, from, from when she didn't write, when she was, you know, singing country blues songs. I loved that. Uh, but as a writer, she's special. And um, this particular song, Lake Charles, well, it's, as I say, it's, it's, it's an incredible song related to bereavement, about bereavement. And it's how somebody, we all say it, don't we, when someone is, is, is terminally ill, they're so brave, how do they, you know, they always seem to smile and we're, we're the ones that are upset and they're always smiling and how they, you know, and she seems to be able to put that into mm. a little, little poem, if you like, a little song, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's an amazing choice. I'm very sorry to hear about your mum as well, Michael. Uh, thank you, thank you. She was yeah. she was ninety two. Um, it was it was it's sad to lose your, your mum at any time. There's no there's no you know whether you're whether you're two or sixty four. It's still the same. Um, but the fact that we couldn't visit her because of COVID yeah. that was a hard thing. Um, and this song, yeah, as I say, I, I could only think about the chorus of this song. Yeah. Yes. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that with, with this song. It's, yeah. It's so beautifully put. It's just like, I mean, we, we had a quick chat before we started recording about listening to Williams and uh, play it. And I mean, this album's one of my favourite albums of all time. It's just like, it's just remarkable. The whole album start to finish is remarkable. But yeah, this track is uh, is very special. And it's one of the things that like comes up a lot with songs where like, because it's very specific, isn't it? You know, like, there's lots of detail about her relationship with this person. and. Um, you know, driving around listening to Howling Wolf and all this like really particular, particular details. And there's something that comes up on the podcast all the time. So if people listen to every episode, hear me going about this all the time about the you know specific details being the most universal in a way. So, like, even though that song's very clearly about this person, that relationship, but the way she's talking about it in such detail allows other people to relate just on that detail, even though the, the scenario is completely different. Exactly, and, and that I think that's really that's a great point you've made, and it's a really important point in songwriting, in writing, in great, you know, that that kind of detail really to you it's like it's like it's like to you things that you do in your life don't seem important, but but it's the everyday normal things like Lucinda's talking about. We used to listen to Howling Wolf in the car, and you know. Those are very normal things that we, you know, and, and they're the things that we relate to. They are, because they're the normal, everyday things that people do. Um, and I love that in writing. I love that. And, and I, I, I can't think of any other examples at this moment, but there are many that I've always, you know, always loved. Um, and that goes back, well, I can, you know, you, you go back into the blues and, and some of the early blues writers, you go back into like Charlie Patton, and Charlie Patton's, you can almost tell he's addressed from what he's writing. You can, he's talking about the street he lived in, he's talking mm. about someone, he's talking about a person's name. And, and it's not, it's not, it's just someone that lives nearby called, it's called, called Ben, and someone, you know, uh, who lives at number 11. And, and that's in that song. And, and you'll hear that in, I love that detail. You hear it in Charlie Patton, you hear it in Robert Johnson. You know, it's, yeah. And when you, when we hear it, we, we're removed from it. So you hear it slightly differently, but it's just them talking about what they do and what they did. And if you can get that down, if you can get that detail down of, 
yeah, I went shopping this morning and I bought some apples. If you can get that into your song, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things where like it seems like it should be simpler. I think a lot of time people want when they're writing a song want it to be like a grand idea and something big and you know that everyone will you know relate to and be a whereas like that that should be the really hard thing. But the one of the hardest things is to just write something specific and then that's what often connects with uh, more people. There's a, there's a guy that, there's a guy who works down the chip shops where's his elders. <laughs> Yeah, great example. And, yeah. and, and I think I think punk and new wave opened some doors in that area for people to write. You know, two pints of love and a packet of crisps, please. And songs, not necessarily my favourite song, but it's interesting that you can get that in there and turn that into. Oh, that's really cool that you can say that. Mm. That's great. You know, yeah. not a song that I, you know, but but I like the fact that people found a way of expressing themselves with those type of phrases and that type of use of, of language just just every day what you say to a mate in a pub you know what do you think yeah. oh, two pints of love and a packet of crisps you know. yeah and again it's that that magic of good songwriting being able to spot those things whatever they are whatever kind of format they come in whatever kind of type of language it is spotting the things that will make them songs and yeah to life Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I can think of, I can think of more. Now I couldn't when we first started, but now I can think of many examples that, mm. that yeah. I mean, Paul McCartney, you know, um, um, Beatles did it in the early days. You know, um, sitting on a sofa with a sister or two. You know, coming out, coming home. You know, sitting on the sofa with your sister and a cup of tea, and it's all very normal, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. Norwegian wood. You know. Yeah, that uh, girl is flat upstairs. Is, is made of Norwegian wood. It wasn't. It's not. It's not about. You know. It's not nothing romantic in that respect. It's not what your mind conjures up, which is Norway and trees. It's. It's the her. She's got wood paneling in her flat. You know, <laughs> and that's wonderful. That's very. That's very normal, isn't it? That's very. Yeah. Every day is what I'm saying. It's very. Yeah. So I. I do like that in songwriting, and it's. It's not an easy thing to. to find your way through but but it's really powerful when it's done well yeah definitely you say lucinda and that that particular line that's got to be funny enough i printed out not all of the song just before we came on but that that particular line is just amazing you know yeah we used to drive through lafayette and baton rouge in a yellow el camino listening to howling wolf he used to like to stop in lake charles because that's the place he loved yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just beautiful. And that chorus did an angel whisper in your ear and hold you close and take away your fear in those long last moments. It's just, yeah, I mean, that's it's like Shelley or Keats, or you know, that's like, yeah, so, amazing, yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, well, thanks a lot for your time, Michael. It's really nice oh, talking thank to you. you. Well, I've enjoyed it, I've enjoyed, really it. enjoyed it, yeah. Uh, have you got anything else coming up that you want to mention when you're here? Um, going in the other room yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow I might go upstairs yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's go for some food that's about it for the next few months I think <laughs> yeah well hopefully it's not too long before we're no, back, back out on the road and hopefully yeah I'm working on an album project at the moment with a friend so that's that's really good um, yeah and, and hopefully yeah hopefully we can get out and get doing stuff again but same, you're the same, I'm sure. It's, it's, there's a lot yeah. of time at the moment. Yeah, very strange time. I try not to waste that time, I try to use it. 
try to expand my knowledge, music, playing, practice, writing, anything, just to try and, when we do come out of it, I can look back and say, no, I used that time well, I tried to, I feel I gained something in there, you know, in that, in that time. Yeah, that's good. Which for me is important. Yeah, yeah. So, well, thank you very much. Good stuff, yeah. It's great what you're doing. And um, Lucinda Williams, Lake Charles. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael. I'll put your links in the description as well so anyone listening to this can check out your music and uh, hear those albums we've been talking about today. Thank you, Ben. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll be back with another episode soon.